Hello, everyone. It's Rev Brad, and you're listening to the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Today, I'm joined by Jared Watts, former MLS defender and Wake Forest grad. He joins me on the pod to talk about what could be one of the toughest moments in the game that a footballer has to face, the dreaded own goal. An own goal in soccer, if you don't know what it is, is when you put the ball in the back of your own net. And you guessed it, the other team still gets the goal, whether you meant to do it or not. Today, Jared and I talk about own goals in the game of soccer and own goals in the game of life. Jared graciously allows us to break down and talk about his own goal scored against, at the time, Rapids keeper Tim Howard during a 2017 home match. Along the way, we resolve some of the lessons to be learned when we score own goals in the game and in life. So stay tuned. We get started right after this. He's found the space and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're the angle. And what a goal! What a goal! Well, Jared, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while since we had you. It's it's great to have you back on from the touchline. It's good to be back again. So uh, always nice to connect and and have a good chat. So looking forward to it. And Jared, I have the privilege. We're doing this over Zoom, so I can see on your back wall you've you've uh, you've got a couple uh, nice placed items there. Uh, a couple jerseys. Are th- are those your national team jerseys? Yes, I'm. Uh, I'm actually in my office, so you get to kind of see a sneak peek. But um, yeah, my two national team jerseys from the U17 World Cup with the uh, with the captain armband in one of them. And I haven't I haven't had any pro jerseys framed from the Rapids or the the Dynamo yet. Um, I think my wife might get a little upset if I've got a, a huge wall of just jerseys. So um, probably going to stick to two right now. But we'll see. Maybe down the line, I'll get the other two framed. Yeah, you might have to. Uh, you know, they take up so much space on the wall. I didn't realize this. I've I've gotten very few jerseys um, over the years. Yours is one. Yeah. Okay. So, just to make sure. Yeah, and uh, and actually, um, I only have one frame, and it's it's one of those ones you can open and change out the jersey. So what I do is. Every few months, I, I change out the jersey that's been given to me. So I so I get a look at a different person's jersey <laughs> every little idea. once in a while. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Jared, um, man, it's been almost a year since we had you on the podcast. So give us a little update as before we dive into today's po- topic. Um, what's going on? Give us a short little life update on on you and and life and where you're at right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. It's been. I guess, gosh, this will be the third season MLS is starting so that I've not been playing. So officially done in, in 2019, but um, yeah, it's, it's been a good two years. So um, I, I relocated back to North Carolina from Texas, um, got on as a headhunter. So for a large um, public company, I was in basically a headhunter to kind of give you an idea as I helped um, accounting and finance specific people get connected with, uh, with roles in the Charlotte market. Um, I've been doing that for two years now. Um, and then I actually am, am in the process of transitioning to a new role, same type of work. I'll still be, 
um, connecting people into new jobs. But now my focus will be with a different firm and it's a national based firm and it'll be um, helping different tech startups. Um, so smaller scale companies that are just getting started, helping build out their executive leadership team. So I'm now, really excited about that. Now I know headhunter is a professional term in the industry, but would anyone in your playing days have called you a headhunter too? You know, I guess so. sometimes in my defense, uh, you know, when I would, when I would go in hard for a tackle and that's kind of the mentality I had. So headhunter, you know, or recruiter, recruiter is probably more of a professional term. So um, executive recruiter, if you want to sound fancy, but um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. It's been an awesome two years. I, I love what I'm doing and, and really excited to kind of take on a new challenge here. Nice. Nice. And um what are some of the other things that are kind of coming out of uh, of this role? You, you've kind of, I mean, I remember back in our Colorado days, we would talk quite a bit about, hey, what, what is what does next look like, and and after after the game, what does that kind of look like? And and I remember you always telling me, Jared, I just, I want to help people. Yeah. And uh, and and over even over the past couple of years, you've shared some really cool stories with me of some people you've been able to help even through your recruiting and, and headhunting work. Um, how is that, is that playing out any other way? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, I always knew when I was playing, I wanted to figure out and and have an idea of what was going to be next for me. So I think that's maybe a stigma. Sometimes players are are like, Hey, I'm a hundred percent focused on playing. Um, that's all I can think about. That's all I can do. That's, you know, has to take up and consume all my time, which, I think that's not the case. I think you've got to also be ready to say, Hey, what's going to be next? Kind of have a, a plan um, when you're done playing. Cause inevitably it's going to, it's going to come. And I think it's a stigma that players just have to realize, Hey, it's okay to start focusing and thinking about, you know, the future, because when yeah. I was playing, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I love playing and I, I gave it my all and I played, you know, as hard as I could, but I always knew, Hey, what, what's going to be next here. So I wanted to have a, you know, somewhat of a plan. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the, you know, there's sort of this mentality that's kind of put on. And, and I think it's a mentality, pressure, attention, really, because in some ways, you're right, you, you do need to focus on task at hand and, and role and job. But as you said, if we're not a whole, whole well-rounded person and we get so tunnel visioned in on that one thing, it can be really hard when the change or transition moment comes mm-hmm. um, that's, you know... A lot of people I meet think I'm going to play until I'm 35, 38, right. 39, 40, but the injury or other circumstances, team changes, contract, those things are out of your control. And so then they, they feel really ill prepared for, for that kind of moment in life. Did, so for you, there wasn't quite that same feeling because you had kind of built in this thinking about, Hey, I need to be ready for next or, and, and, mm-hmm. Like, did you, did you recognize a particular sign or, or were you like, I think, I think now's the time. Was there anything yeah. in particular that. I was never afraid of what's going to be after the game and after playing. Um, and I don't know if that was foolish of me or if it was just, Hey, you know, you're going to have more of your life without the game. Even if you play 10 years. Right. I mean, I played five years. If you would have said, you know, Hey, at 27, um, you're going to be done playing. Um, well, that's a lot of time left to, to, to figure out, well, what, what am I going to do? I want to be passionate because I was passionate about playing. I loved it, um, built some great relationships, had, you know, some, some awesome memories, but at the same time, I wanted to, 
you know, say, Hey, this isn't the, this isn't the height for me. I want to, you know, what's next. I want it to be special. I want it to, you know, be just as exciting and rewarding. And, um, you know, I spent bulk of my career in Colorado and had an awesome run and, and, you know, it was just time with new coach coming in and, you know, I wasn't going to be in the plans and it was time for kind of a fresh start. And I was excited about that and, and got traded down to Houston, which, you know, kind of refreshed me and was an exciting opportunity, but it didn't work out down there. Right. Because I got in two weeks in, I had an injury that put me out a month, couldn't get fit, couldn't get a run of games. Um, you know, and again, another season ending injury at the end, it, it was just kind of time. I, I knew my body just couldn't do what I once, you know, could do. Maybe mentally I was still there, but, you know, I wasn't very, um, you know, athletic, strong, powerful as it was. So when I was lacking it even more, it, I, I just knew it was time and I was kind of at peace with it. And um, yeah, but I, I viewed it as a kind of what's next and excitement level to, to start, start something new and kind of re um, you know, I guess re-engage on what's going to be next and kind of go in and, and it's more of an excitement, I think was what helped me with the transition, but yeah, it was a great transition. I mean, um, actually Clint Irwin through one of uh, Clint Irwin's mutual connections who I played with in Colorado and who's still there, he went to high school um, with a, a person that was at my firm. And through that person, I got connected with my boss and it just, you know, small world, you get connected. And uh, I think, um, you know, that obviously helped get started and, um, you know, find a, find a job when I was um, done playing. How cool that God kind of, in my perspective, God's prepared you for the role that you have now as you help other people transition um, you can take all those various lessons learned through your playing days and apply that into the business world. You can talk yeah. about joy, excitement, you know, the newness of a reality, but also having to go through some sort of the trial and travail of, you know, things not working out or it not mm -hmm. being a good fit. And, and all the things you've had to learn and develop for yourself along the way can be things that you you supply to your clients as they kind of figure out life in a, a new role, a new situation, maybe even a new, a new geography. It sounds like that's going to be national now with this new firm you're working with. Yeah. Yeah, it is, which it's interesting with, with COVID and, and how just the workplace has changed and everybody's been remote. Um, I don't think it's going to be as big of a challenge just because, you know, most of the, the companies that I'll be working with are tech and startup companies that are going to be hiring remote. So it kind of broadens the, you know, the candidate pool. Um, but at the same time, like it's about building relationships and that's what I, I always love doing and just kind of, I always wanted to be counted on as a good teammate. Right. So every day, you know, my teammates could come in they said, Hey, we know Jared's going to give it his all. He's going to have a, you know, work, work hard and training. He's going to, you know, give it his all for the team. And it might not be great. Like I, I you know, you have days where you go in and you're just like, what am I doing? I can't kick a ball straight. I can't, mm -hmm track anybody. I can't, you know, do anything right, but the effort's still always going to be there. So for me, I took that mindset in, into the business world and, Hey, how can I build relationships? How can I tap into a network? And the thing is when, when you have an introduction to somebody and maybe, you know, they realize and they say, Hey, you know, you did play sports. I like that about you. Um, we can, you know, build off of that. They, they, they want to talk about, Hey, my time in the league, they want to talk about, you know, just lessons that I've learned and how that can translate to the business world. And um, yeah, it's just been awesome. It's just the the soccer world so small, you can make connections. 
Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's been an awesome, awesome transition. I love it. I've got to help some great people, um, and, and some really great companies. So it's, it's been awesome. Well, Jared, some of what you were mentioning there is a great segue into our topic today. We're going to be talking about own goals. And from the start, I just want to thank you for coming on and talking about this, because I think this is probably for the footballer, one of the most difficult things to talk about, because it is one of those spaces where, as you said, you know, there's days when you come in and it's easier in training when you come in and you're like, I can't kick a ball straight. But when you're in that elite match, you're in that that high pressure environment performance moment and you can't kick a ball straight. Ooh, that's yeah. that's really difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I want to read something uh, to you. This is uh, this is out of a book that that I constantly am battling with called Good Game. Christianity and the Culture of Sports. And the author here, Sheryl Hoffman, writes, he, he says, physically attractive, successful, wealthy, nationally acclaimed athletes are in demand by Christian evangelism groups. Stumbling, error-prone, marginal players are not, even though they may be far superior models of the Christian life. I, I have that underlined in my book because I think one of the things as chaplains, it's, it's easy when we have athletes, coaches, others that we're working with that have success, we want to um, put that story up in front of people, uh, you know, whether it's at uh, big events like the Super Bowl or, or World Cup or other things like that. We, we want to put the um, Jesus-believing Christian athlete in front of people, and we want success for them. When they don't have success, um, we get a little quiet sometimes, I think, and we, we don't want to talk about that necessarily. But Jared, I want to talk about it because, as you said, th- there were two things in, in what you just said. One is you wanted to come in every day working hard for your teammates. And, and as a chaplain for the years that you were at, at Rapids, I saw that. I saw you coming in. Yeah, there's, there's always a, a bad day, a difficult day, but for the, for the majority to have a heart that comes in with a smile on your face, uh, joyful to be working, uh, to be plying your trade, to be playing football, and to be a teammate, to be a good teammate. When you have that difficult moment, would you say that the own goal is perhaps the most difficult moment for a footballer? Uh, injuries and and maybe uh, getting cut or, or a contract um, not renewed aside, would you say the own goal is probably the pinnacle of of, uh, of that tough moment for a footballer? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I think it pretty, yeah, it's gotta be right. Because it's, um, it's a transition of all eyes on you. Like you're the last one it touches before it goes in and it's not the right goal. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a difficult moment, but it happens to everybody. If you play long enough, if you play certain positions, you're going to go through that. Um, that's, at the end of the day, that's part of the game, but it is, uh, yeah, it's not easy in the moment. Right. You know, for example, and I know we'll talk a little bit more about my, uh, my own goal, uh, specifically that I had, but you know, if it happens, you've got to find a way to get through the rest of the game, right. You can't just kind of crumble and, and get under it. You've got to just, Hey, move on, take ownership. And, uh, yeah, but it's, it's not easy. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you've got to have a good, you know, hopefully team around you that'll help support you. But uh, yeah, you've just got to kind of take it on the chin and keep going. Now, I've never been in a high level locker room as a player. Um, and I'm trying to go back to my high school playing days because that, that was the level I attained. 
own goals aren't really part of the the talking point. There's no real strategy around them. Um, I'm, I'm sure you know we we talk about other things like um, you know ways to position your body or other things to prevent own goals. But are there different types of own goals? Like in my mind, as I as I watch EPL games and and you know my team's Manchester United, as I watch those kinds of things. It seems to me that there's a few different kinds of own goals. Like there's the yeah. one, I, I don't know. Is, is that true though? Or is an own yeah, goal just an own goal? I think at the end of the day, right, when you score the own goal, no matter what type of own goal it is or how it happens, I think it's the same feeling where you're like, oh, this is this is on me. This isn't good. But at the same time, right, you think of these different types of own goals. Um, you think of a defender kind of last ditch effort trying to dive to, to block a cross that's coming in their box. And maybe there's a, a another opponent on his shoulder that's going to tap it in and get it in anyways. And that person, you know, defender hits it in their own goal. That's just trying to make a play, right? Yeah, or yeah. you're closing out the top of the box. You're trying to kind of get a block in with somebody maybe shooting and just takes an un, you know, unfortunate deflection and and hits you in the knee and, and goes the complete opposite way and the goalie, you know, doesn't have a chance and it goes in. Is that an own goal? Maybe it's a deflection. It, you, you know, it's it's just unlucky, right? Right, right. And well, in fact, the Rapids um, MLS Cup victory was secured by a, an own goal, which again, it's, right. it's one of those things that you're like, ah, it could have was a shot on goal. Was it on frame? The deflection had the goalkeeper going the wrong way. And, and, and so that leads me to, to this question, Jared, when you get back into the locker room or when you, I don't know how much analyzing you can do actually over an own goal, but I mean, do you, do you, do you uh, assign blame or do you guys think through things in, in a particular way? With like, oh, I, I could have done this or, or, or you should have done that or, or, or how does that work out just in terms of like talking about the own goal after it happens? Yeah, I think one thing when it's when it happens during a game um, and you're in that high kind of intensity back and forth, it happens in a game. Um, there's not a lot of time to dwell on it. Right. So if you have a conversation and you can say, you know, Hey, thought you were going to be there. thought you were going, you know, a different way. I should have been quicker. I should have, you know, not played the ball back or whatever the case is there, there can be a quick conversation. I think it, it happens more after a game where you can analyze and say, Hey, well, what should I have done there? But um, I think there's gotta be a balance when it happens, you know, Hey, this isn't great. And I've got to keep playing because my, my team needs me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think after the fact, when you can reflect and, and look a little bit more into it, then you can say, Hey, cause you don't want to shoulder the blame, um, on anybody in particular. I know when I scored my own goal on Tim, um, it was in the first half, right? So we went in at halftime and I just kind of immediately just took ownership and I was like, Hey, that, that was on me. Like, let's just keep going. That's my fault. Like just to kind of get it out there, make it clear. I didn't want to point fingers at anybody. Could Tim have been maybe in a different spot? Maybe. Could I have not passed it back in our own goal? Probably. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think taking ownership and just, hey, this was on me. You know, I'll take responsibility. Let's let's keep going because we we still have another half to play. We still want to, you know, do well and win the game. Well, I don't want to rush by too quickly for our listeners. Um, I, I think, Jared, you just said something very key is is take ownership. Uh, so many times, um, you know, let's translate this out outside of football a little bit. When we score the own goal uh, in our workplaces, in our marriages, our families, our relationships, we will have own goal moments, times when we absolutely mess things up. 
we got to take ownership. I, I think that's a key lesson learned out, out of, uh, out of the own goal sort of topic area. And, um, yeah. the only way you can grow, the only way you can improve, right. And not let it happen again. And, um, because it's easy to put blame on others and not take ownership when in fact, maybe it could have, you know, equal parts blame, but, uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't do anybody good to, to point fingers and ownership that I think that's a characteristic and a trait that, you know, if you're going to be successful, whatever you're doing in your marriage, um, in your job, playing the game, you know, take ownership of your action because, you know, that's the only way you're going to learn from it. Yeah. And a lot of times too, in relationship, there's, there's a two way, uh, piece to that. And so usually if we're blaming others, we're not going to be able to, to look at ourselves and grow as you said. And so I, th- I think that is key is to be able to grow out of, um, those own goal moments that we have. So, mm-hmm. yeah, nice. Well, <clears throat> Jared, let's, let's do this. Um, unfortunately until, uh, until our podcast gets some better funding and we actually go, uh, go live with video, <laughs> you and I are going to sit, I'm going to play, <clears throat> play through the, um, the actual, your own goal and, uh, have you talk through it. So we'll watch it one time and then we'll, uh, We'll go through this, and uh, I I don't know how this is going to get picked up uh, audio wise, but um, we'll just um, we'll play it here in a sec, and then uh, and then talk through. Um, I want you to kind of share. I'll, I'll pause it, I'll, or we'll talk about uh, some different points in the highlight where um, where uh, maybe some things happen, and, and maybe you can just share kind of I don't know what what uh, what you were thinking or feeling or or what. Um, yeah, like as you said, the growing point where maybe something could have been done differently. So, so let's watch and play um, the own goal. This is back to Saturday, August nineteenth. I forget. Um, was this 2017? twenty seventeen? Yeah, twenty. Yeah, might have been twenty seventeen. Okay. So we'll we'll start we'll start it right now. <laughs> Absolute shocker. DC United have been gifted a goal. He's got nowhere to go. He drives it back and it's just, yeah. Tim Howard can't do anything about that. He put it right where look, look where Tim Howard is, and he has to put it to the right. He shakes, he pulls it a little bit with his laces. Instead of just opening up his foot and using the side foot, playing it back nice and easy. Okay, I, d- I don't know if the uh the uh um commentary came through there, but um, let, let's talk a little bit, Jared, do you remember kind of what was going on with the team and with the club around this time? This was going through a transition period too. I think Pablo yeah. has been fired and, um, uh, this might've been the first game since in, this, in this was, fired. this was the first game where, where Pablo had been fired as head coach. Um, and Steve cook, the assistant was in charge playing DC United and I think coming in 2017 had been a a difficult time and DC was also struggling as well. So the game finishes one, one, one nil. Yeah. Um, I scored the winner. And this is in the 27th minute against Tim Howard, no less. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so Jared talk, I mean, if you can remember going back, you know, those number of years, was there for you a bit of a pressure um, just around this game, having uh, a managerial change, having 
a difficult season to this point, uh, just just in terms of wins, losses, kinds of things. Was was any of that you think at play uh, for you at all, or do you remember? You know, maybe I. Um, it's been a, obviously a while, but I, I know just kind of the just the the uncertainty of everything around the club right with the new a coach being fired who had who had been there for a long time you know believed in me gave me you know a lot of opportunities I mean this was the season the summer after right we were in the western conference final and then there was all this change with captain being traded coach being fired you know just different things happened and um you know struggling right so so Steve Cook had to put a team together to obviously go out and perform. You still have a job to do. Um, but again, at the end of the day, right, it's your job. You've got to go out and perform no matter the circumstances. And um, I don't remember being, you know, com- another added pressure or anything specifically, but obviously this play happened. And um, yeah, I mean, we can kind of walk through it. There's things I probably would have done differently, um, you know, to score the game, time of the game, where I'm at on the field, that kind of thing. Um, and you know, we can kind of, we can kind of walk through it here. I know I received the ball. Yeah. So Axel, uh, sends you the ball. You're out on the right side. You're you're kind of more central, more central. You're, you're not quite out all the way on the wing. Um, and, uh, uh, talk about this, uh, the nearest, uh, opponent, you know, as you're about to receive the ball is probably what, 20, yeah, 20, 15, 20, 20 yards, yards away yeah. coming towards me probably, but I had some space, right? And I took my first touch and I kind of killed the ball. Yeah. So he's, he's starting to close it. you down. Yeah. Yeah. And he's coming, starting to close me down. And, you know, I, I hadn't peeked back where Tim was. Um, I, I just kind of assumed it was a feeling thing, right? At that mm-hmm. point, Axel, Tim, and I have played a lot of games together the last, you know, year or so. So it was kind of just a feeling thing. Uh, lost a little bit of focus, I, I guess you could say. But, you know, it was just one of those I was expecting to play him a ball back firm enough where he had enough time to take a touch, but also um, in a good spot and just didn't get it right. You know, I, I hit it with too much pace. And, you know, he was not on my side of the box. He was on the other side. Um, so he hadn't come across yet. And so, you know, hit it, hit it with too much pace. Um, being that the score was zero, zero, it was 27 minutes in or whatever. I think you're getting to the point of teams are filling each other out and, you know, you're, you're trying to kind of make things happen, but also be smart about, you know, we needed a result and, uh, you know, just kind of a, a play that I, I, I've just, again, I struck it with my laces probably should have went a little bit easier inside the foot, made it a little bit simpler, but, um, you know, I made that decision and I can, I can live with it. Yeah. Um, where I've frozen it now, your, your body's really oriented back towards Tim, but could you have played it back across to Axel or, I mean, Axel's. Well, Axel's body is, he's already kind of moving forward. You can tell he's leaning forward yeah. and, and with the, the second defender, probably, you Coming know, out. what, 10 yards from him. I just yeah. didn't want to put him in too bad of a spot. Sure. Um, sure. So Tim, Tim's the option here for, for you as you play it. Yeah. <clears throat> and now it, kind of, it kind of bounces a little bit as it's going back too, mm. which I, I, you know, I think that was maybe probably me striking the ball a little bit. And, um, well, I wonder too, August, you know, for us, it's, it's pretty dry season at that point. And, and I mean, Dick Sporting Goods guys do a f- phenomenal job. I mean, the, the turf oh, yeah. Great is, is, is awesome. 
Um, I don't think we've, we've had our fish concert yet, so, uh, it's, it's still in great, great shape, but, um, uh, talk a little bit more, you know, positioning, sensing Tim might be there, should be there maybe, or, or maybe he hadn't worked his way across the box, but that's typical, right? The goalkeeper would come to the side, mm-hmm. uh, where the ball ha- has, is at. So he just hasn't worked across yet. Yeah. Well, and I think probably my first touch, right, was still forward the way I killed the ball mm. and when it came to me. And then I took my second touch back and he was, you know, again, Tim, what, the best goalie probably in the U.S. has ever produced. And so he, you know, not going to question his positioning or anything like that. But the way that I took that first touch, he was probably expecting me to play forward. And then when I came back and Surprising. took the second touch, you know, probably was on his way. Um, you know, but again, I think the the biggest issue is just the pace of the ball. Even if that ball had been in the same exact line and it just would have been hit a little bit softer, right. He would have been there. No problem. Sure. Sure. I think it was just for me, probably the, the pace of the pass itself was the biggest issue. And so one of the announcers, I think Marcelo Balboa talks about just there's a little bit of curve put on just from the laces. Yeah, I don't I don't see that. I hit it pretty straight. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess he's saying I pulled a little bit, which I, I was just, you know, assuming without looking that he would he would be he would be there. So, yeah. Um, now, maybe Tim, you know, maybe Tim could have dove and grabbed it with his hands, right? Maybe he could have. Yeah, I mean, just take taking a, a, a taking a, a red kick or. <laughs> he had one of those. Uh, he had one of those red cards for handling uh, outside the box against RSL. Uh, I don't know if it was the same year, but I remember that that was a strange call for me. Um, I wonder if he could have just, uh, yeah. You, you, but, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? A lot. Yeah, but, but as you yeah. said, you guys played you, – you guys had – the previous year, you guys were so on par with each other. You just – you read each other's minds. You knew where each other was going to be. So um, I, for me as a chaplain, being on the outside, I really think this speaks into looking at external factors that affect a mentality. And, you know, as you said, Pablo was a coach who believed in you and – um Cookie was a good coach, you know, a good person. But when that change, that kind of shift comes, it it affects people. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, it yeah. affects it affects a whole team and and just your your unity and continuity at times. So yeah, yeah. I think at this point there was a lot of disconnect in the club and in the team, and um, you know because of all the changes and right, right. And, Cronin and Birchie had been traded. That that was, I think that was hard to to solid veterans that um yeah kind of came out of nowhere yeah two of our best players the previous season and you know had had been traded and um you know uh, if you look at the the way we started 2017 I mean after the first two games I think we had four points um we won our first game 1-0 and then we tied and then you know there seemed to be just well, I mean, not to get too much into it, but then there was the trade that happened and then just kind of a lot of change and uncertainty yeah. and a lot of, like you said, external factors, yeah. but, um, well, you know, it happens. that's, that's, that's football, right? Teams change. Um, you know, you go through different coaches, players, that's, that's the beauty of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually remember you and I were sitting, having a little chat, uh, in the stadium when Pablo walked by and, uh, yeah. we pieced it together later that he had been told, Hey, look, 
we're, we're letting you go. Um, what, what a, a weird, weird feeling that was. So Jared, where I've got it frozen right now, um, hands go to the head. You kind of realize, ah, what have I done? Like what, or what's going through your mind kind of at this point? Yeah. Oh no. Like not, not good. Like pretty much the, the worst way that we could have, you know, gone into a halftime or halfway through the first half being down one zero that way. Cause to this point, I remember we, we had a ton of the ball. We were, you know, dominating them. Like, um, again, we, we were, we're playing pretty well and it was just this fluke moment game of inches, right. That's, that's mm-hmm. soccer. And, uh, you know, I just know at that time I was like, yep, that's not what I wanted to do, but you know, to be fair, I remember. And if you look at the rest of this game, I actually played really well after this. And I was very happy with that. But again, we lost one Oh, and we lost because of my own goal. So it doesn't mean anything, but I, I, the way I responded, the way I played after, um, you know, was good. Now, Jared, for the younger player, um, who, you know, maybe they've not experienced an own goal for themselves yet. Maybe they're in a defensive position. They can learn something from this. You know, I've, I've heard different strategies from, like sports psych and, and different coaches where they say, Hey, when you make a mistake, do something to kind of clear your mind or, or move on or get better or do better. Is there anything, you know, you'd say to a young player, you'd say to someone who's kind of in a similar position, whether as a defender or, or in a place where, you know, if they make a mistake, a glaring mistake, it's really going to affect them for the next bit of the game or, or whatever, you know, yeah. we could even translate this outside the game too. But what, what are some tools you'd say that, that help you to push through, to get on, to, to finish out here, here we are 27th minute of the game. You know, you've got not even a third of the game is, is gone yet. So mm-hmm. how do you push through and, and, and face your teammates and, and continue to give excellence and, is there any- it's, it's, it's tough, right? I think it, at the time you have to just say, take a deep breath. It happened. You can't change anything about it now. And you've got to know the next time you've got an opportunity, just do something very, very simple to get you kind of back on track as quick as possible. Right. And I remember, I remember the first time I got the ball after this, the, the crowd was booing. Mm. Right. I remember that vividly. Um, it didn't affect me. I didn't care at the time, but I, I knew that, you know, Hey, they were booing that our own, our own fans were booing me because of that. Right. Yeah, so I remember yeah. the first time I got the ball, I passed it like out wide, maybe to, to whoever was playing right back at the time. I think it was Miller maybe, but uh, yeah, the, the, I think the crowd like gave me a sarcastic cheer after that. And then it was just kind of <laughs> game on, but yeah, you've just got to kind of take that deep breath. You've got a lot of time left. Um, my whole thought process too, was I'm going to make up for it. I'm going to try to get in the box from a corner and try to score a goal. And like, you know, you just, you got to continue to play the game. You can't just fold your team needs you. Right. Cause I could have easily just gone, Oh man, game's over. I'm awful. I could have checked out and we would have lost four or five. Oh, right. 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 Yeah. And there's that sense of, you know, earning trust back. Uh, not just for your teammates, but for the fans and your teammates, they work with you every day. They know you, they play with you. They they've been in the highs and lows with you. You've been in the trenches together. So earning their trust is different than earning the trust of fans who, to be honest too, let, let's say that some of their emotions have been affected by 
the managerial change, all the changes going on in the season. And so it's easy to kind of lump, you know, their frustrations out on you and yeah. and what's Fans, happened. Fans are never happy, right? Unless you win it all. <laughs> and understandable. They can have their own opinions. And, um, you know, they always – again, they support the team. They, at the end of the day, they want their team to, to do as well as possible, whatever that means. Right. Um, and maybe it's, they, they get on social media and they want to, you know, say bad things about you and say that, you know, you, you have no business being out there. And again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion and, and fans at the end of the day, just want to see their team win. You can't blame them. I'm a fan of other teams too, that I want to see win. Um, you know, but I think it's just important not so much just just knowing who you are, your character, that you got to bounce back and you've got to just show your team that, hey, I made a mistake, take ownership of it um, and, and move on. Because I remember going into halftime, like I said, right away, Tim and I, you know, I said, hey, that was on me. Thought you were going to be there, pass it too hard back to you. He said, no worries. I should have, you know, slid and cleared it out. He's like, let's move on. We got a second half to play. And look, no, no fingers pointed and we just moved on and, and we kept playing. Um you know, so that that's just, again, it was one of those things. It was a tough moment. It was probably one of my toughest moments besides injuries and stuff in my, in my career. But, um, you know what, I got to go home to my wife that after my dogs and, uh, you know, yeah. life, life went on. Yeah. And your chaplain still loved you too, but and you know, I, <laughs> I was, I was actually going to ask you, you know, who's to blame in that, in that situation, but you, you said it, you know, and I think too, it, it speaks to, probably Tim's professionalism, but, but also the camaraderie you guys as a team teammates had developed that, you know, there, there's sort of the sense of, no, I'll, I'll take ownership again of, of my part and what I could have done differently or better. Um, and especially in team environments, um, whether you're on a football pitch or whether you're in a, a corporate work setting, if you don't take ownership for the parts and pieces that, that you need to, uh, you just, you won't get far. That's for sure yeah. as a team. So, um, well, Jared, let, let me ask you this. Um, you know, you, you mentioned other sports and it, you know, it just made me think is the own goal like anything else in any other sport. And, you know, I was trying to think American football, you've got interceptions, but it seems like those occur a lot more yeah, frequently. Frequent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there any, any other thing where the own goal might translate to uh, to something else, a, a, another sport? I, I was try, trying to think too, because you're a Panthers fan and I'm a Broncos fan, so we would go back and forth on on those two teams whenever they play, and and you're yeah. out here. But um, is there anything else in 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 sport that is like the own goal? I'm trying to. I, I don't think there is, um, because I mean, you look at it. Is there? Is there any other sport where maybe a hockey on goal, right? But that doesn't okay. happen as often. Yeah. Um, you know, but you think of like basketball, a turnover, like you still, you know, it's just such a quick pace back and forth. Um, football, like an interception or a safety, maybe where you get taken down in your own end zone. And but I don't think it's the same, right? Um, just because the margins are so much slimmer, I think, in in soccer and uh maybe maybe in American football it could be like I remember there's uh, I forget who it was, the running back who got turned around and he actually ran for a touchdown uh, against his own team. Like I think, but I think that's only yeah. happened like once or twice in the NFL. 
Um, I think that's really a super rare occasion. Whereas, you know, own goals in, in football and soccer happen a lot more frequently than yeah. that. Um, but they're still almost devastating because there's, as you said, the, the, the pace of basketball, hockey, their scoring is, is higher, more frequent. Yeah. Um, in football, it's just not that way. So an own goal can have more devastating effects. As, and your as mistake it, is magnified more, I think, right, versus another sport where, you know, let's say you can make a mistake, but is it, you know, is it that catastrophic to the, to the end result? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Now I'm not really prepared for this, but you know, maybe you've got a sense of it. W- would you say worst own goal in history? Uh, wh- what would you say that is? I, 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 I'm not even really prepared for that, but maybe you've got one or two in mind that, that. Come- well, what about the Colombian national team guy who in a world cup, Scored the own goal, right? Yeah, and then he he was threatened with his life, right? Did he actually, he actually was killed? Oh, yeah, he was killed. Yeah, that comes to mind. I think that might have been in the eighties. Um, yeah, I'll have to go back and and look at that. Well, Jared, one of the other things I like to do too is is make sort of biblical or faith related parallels um, to some of the topics we talk about here because we you know we talk about faith, football, and family on on the podcast, but. When when we think about own goal moments in life, um, maybe in the stories we read in the Bible, the the things, the history that we see there, are there any own goal moments that come to your mind? And just in terms of uh, in terms of the Bible, yeah, like, I mean, Bible's full of them, right? <laughs> I, I, I mean, to be to be frank. Um, I mentioned to you too earlier, I just started rereading the Bible from, from front to back, which I've actually um, done one other time in high school, but where, where are you at right now? Um, so like I just started like last week, so oh, um, nice. just got through Genesis. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something I've kind of got a set goal. I'm trying to do it by October um, just for a, an, an, another reason, but um, yeah, going to try to knock that out, but yeah, just starting with Genesis. So um, you know, thinking of of Eve, right, and her being tempted by the serpent um, in the garden to eat from the the, the tree um, of wisdom, right? And she takes the fruit, she she eats from it, she gives it to Adam. Um, I mean, that just seems like a a, a, a huge own goal. Um, so for me, that that kind of sticks out just because it's so fresh. Yeah, she knows she's not supposed to do it, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious, you know, because because I mean, this is early, early in the story, and yeah. I'm just wondering. Okay, Eve has just been created by God, and she's special, right? She's the last thing God creates. Yeah. Um, she's sort of the apex of creation, and uh, and you know, Adam has to share some blame in that story too, because he's standing there passively. Right. Um, but Eve messes it up for everybody. And in that sense, I, uh, you know, taking, taking the fruit, um, man, Jared, I think you've, you've claimed the biggest own goal in, (laughs) in life and in the, in the story of, of human history, uh, maybe Eve has the biggest own goal ever, ever made. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, well, it was amazing too, to read through Genesis and you see the lineage of, of the family and how long they lived and, the change because of that and the shift, but right. Eve was tempted to know, Hey, your eyes can be opened. You can be 
godlike know the difference of good and evil when she knew, hey, this is the tree that you cannot eat from, right? Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And and even you know, as if if you go back and read that text in Genesis three, uh, if you want to look it up and read read the story of of Eve uh, being tempted and and then falling, um, you know, it's really curious to me that Eve even you know, as Satan in the form of the serpent is tempting her, she adds actually in, if you read, she, she said, yeah, God told us uh, we're not to eat of the tree. We can't even touch it or we'll die. And so, yeah, it's funny. yeah you know, it's funny how I, I think sometimes in our own own goal moments, we kind of can add things in. Um, we can add pressure or we can add things that aren't really there. Um, and, and I don't know if that just plays into some, some part of our mentality or our, our spirituality, but, but I think sometimes we add in, um, things that God hasn't said and, Mm -hmm. and we create and, and build up certain things. But regardless, Eve, Eve sees the fruit. She sees, it looks good. It's pleasing to the eye. Um, I can get something out of this. I can get wisdom, um, which which speaks a little bit probably more to there's a lot more thinking that goes in for Eve than you know for you just turning around and, and yeah, firing right. a shot back at Tim uh, to pass your your goal wasn't necessarily to uh, gain wisdom but but you have gained some wisdom through through this whole experience right Jared absolutely much wisdom was gained through that yeah and I don't think I had another own goal after that which yeah was... have you had had you had any own goals up to that point. In your Not career? NLS, but oh yeah, through my career. Um, okay. Like in college, um, you know, just growing up, youth soccer. So I was, uh, you know, I probably had a handful, maybe maybe three or four that I can remember. Uh, I remember one playing with the youth national team. We were playing against Argentina. Um, and it was kind of one of those last-ditch efforts. I was running back across the six and slid, and um, the ball, you know, was crossed, and, and it and – it, hit me actually in my, my opposite knee that I slid with and bounced into the goal. Um, and we ended up losing. I, I think that was two to one, but that was another own goal that, that stuck out for me. There was a guy behind me who was probably going to score it, but you know, it didn't get to him. It, it got to me. So. Sure. Sure. Man, those, those are tough moments to come back from. And it, it reminds me actually of two other stories in the Bible. Um, one is Peter, you know, Peter, denies Jesus three times. He's, he's re- supposedly, you know, Jesus's best friend, the guy that's going to be by his side, the guy that's going to stick with him and, and defend him to the death. And, and then he goes off and, uh, you know, just says, I don't know this guy kind of chickens yeah. out and, and hides, runs and hides. Um, the other one that comes to mind though, is Paul. I, w- I want to read this, um, out of first Timothy. You know, I, I think a lot of times Paul, the apostle, he wrote, uh, a large percentage of the New Testament, and I think uh, sometimes when we read this in First Timothy uh, one fifteen is where I'm going to read. We struggle with this. We go, ah, really? Is this is this Paul? But this is what he writes. He's he's writing to his protege, uh, that's kind of a young pastor that's coming up underneath him, and he's kind of training and mentoring. He says in verse fifteen, "This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners." And I am the worst of them all. I just to pause right there. I struggle sometimes with Paul. In, in some version, it says uh, he 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 gives himself this title, chief of sinners. And I 
I just wonder, really, Paul, this dude wrote like most of the New Testament. How can he be chief of sinners? But I think the truth is we sometimes forget Paul's earlier lifestyle, the things that he was doing before he became a Jesus follower. He was persecuting the church. He was throwing people in jail. He was he was sort of passive in, a, in approving people's murders. Uh, we see him in Acts, end of uh, Acts chapter 7. He's uh, a guy's getting stoned, and and he's just kind of there, giving, uh, you know, looking over it, and 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 giving giving people permission to to do it. And um, and I wonder if those things played into Paul's mind. Probably were part of of the thing that he struggled with. But but he writes this in, in going on with verse sixteen in in First Timothy one. But God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. You know, for someone like um, Paul, someone like us, when we make mistakes, when we make or score the own goal, we kind of have that devastating effect on our teammates on the game, uh, in life, in our relationships, I think we reach points where we feel like we can't recover. And Paul writes here and says, no, we can. God has mercy on us. And God has mercy on him so that he could be used as an example. And he he was okay with that. And and Jared, what I love about just even our conversation today is the spirit that you've you've come and said, yeah, this was a hard thing. This was a low point in in maybe my MLS time, my my pro career, um, but I've learned from it. And I think that we only learn from these things when we realize the mercy of God into our lives so that we can move on and realize that we have forgiveness. Now, you know, the fan that's screaming at us up in the stands, <laughs> booing us may not forgive us, or it may take them some extra time to forgive us. The person who we offend or we've hurt them in our relationship, it might take more time for them to forgive us, but God's mercy to us is more swift. His forgiveness to us when we come to him um, is great. And in reading Genesis 3, I'll just encourage those listening today, uh, if you read Genesis 3, you can see how swift God's mercy is to Adam and Eve. Uh, even though they've screwed up, they have scored the own goal Um God's mercy for them is is great. That there's still consequence, right? You know, Jared, there's still a consequence that you guys lost the game by one goal. Um, you can't change that. But I think if if we all get together, the 2016 team again, the 2017 team, those guys are going to come around, and, and we're not going to talk much about the own goal except maybe to laugh about it a little bit. And 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 it's the love relationship, the connectivity, the the team that that was and is um, those relationships are going to far outweigh any performances or any memories um, from the heights of 2016 to the lows of 2017. I think uh, the relationships are are what are most important. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, that's a great point because I look back on five years of playing, right. And do I remember every single game and performance and, high and low of 
not necessarily. Obviously, 2016 was a really special year, and I remember that a little bit more specifically. But if you're just thinking overall in my career, what I remember most are like some of my best friends now that I have and my relationships that I built with, you know, you, Brad, and, you know, guys who I, I learned from while I was playing and, and friends that, you know, are teammates who were at my wedding and like, that's the things that I, I remember in those relationships. And um, that's what the game gives you, right. If you let it. Um, and so for me that that's one of the biggest things that I drew from it. And I think is what helped me just kind of prepare for, okay, what was going to be next. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously five years, amazing time, got to meet great people, great friends. And uh, you know, now on to other things and, and learning and becoming better and, and, you know, learning more. So it's been great. If you're listening to the pod today and you're just about to embark on your professional career um, or, or you're even in uh, high school, you're in college, I just want to encourage you that um, you will experience highs and lows, but I want to encourage you to get involved in the lives of your teammates, uh, get involved in the relationships because those things are more lasting you know, we, we can talk about who, who won MLS Cup last year, but we kind of forget, unless it was us, we kind of forget who that was over the years and, and the highs and lows and the stats become less and less important and the relationships are key and realizing that God's mercy helps us get through the difficult own goal moments that we have um, and and His grace is to us when we achieve successful things, uh, but it's the relationships that are key. And uh, I meet a lot of people who say, I wish I had invested more into my teammates during my playing days at at so many different levels. So I just encourage you as you're involved and part of a, a football team, guys or girls, doesn't matter, just get involved in your teammates' lives and, and let those relationships um, be be something that uh, that carry you and, and, and lift you. And, and those are the things that'll, that'll uh, be, be there even beyond. So... Mm-hmm. Well, Jared, great to have you on the podcast today. Uh, why don't we do this? Why don't we uh, Why don't we close together in prayer? Would you mind just saying a a short prayer, and I'll I'll, I'll follow up, and then we'll uh, we'll end our time together. Yeah, absolutely, that works. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this time with Brad. Um, thank you for having the opportunity to speak with him and to reflect on my time in in the league and the highs and lows and and really walking through um, an own goal and how that can be impactful to a, to a player. Um, I, I thank you for letting me go through that. I, I thank you for my five years in the league, my relationships that I've built and also with the transition of, of um, being done playing and you allowing me to be um, where you want me to be. Um, a lot of times we, have plans for ourselves, um, but we know that you're in full control. And I, I, I thank you for, for guiding me and, and, and sharing and showing me um, the love, the grace, um, and the opportunity to serve you and to serve others um, through you. And in this, Lord, um, I pray in your name. Amen. Lord, and I just want to say um Thank you for Jared. Thanks for his story. Thanks for his willingness to share and just kind of even confront the difficult space of the own goal. And Lord, we we make mistakes. We score own goals every day in our relationships, in the way that we talk to others, in the way that we respond. Um, 
We put the ball in the back of our own net again and again and again, and we really need your mercy and grace. So first, help us to take ownership. Help us to realize uh, the things that we do and to repent, to change, to turn from what we're doing, to, to work, to improve, to learn, to grow, to get better. And by your grace and mercy, we can do those things. We can restore trust in relationships with our teammates, with our fans, with our our family members, our friends, with others. Uh, Help us to realize these things. And just as Paul said, that it's because of your great mercy. And and you use us as an example so that we can learn and grow. But even the worst of sinners could realize there's still hope. There's no way that this own goal moment, even... Even Eve and Adam, who messed it up for all of us, even in that moment, your grace and mercy to them shone through, and and there's a way, and it's because of you, Jesus. So we thank you for that, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, everyone, this is Rev Brad and Jared Watts coming to you from the Touchline. Thanks for listening today. <laughs>